Welcome to the Joyful Journey podcast. This is the very first episode of a new and exciting podcast where we explore life's incredible journey towards joy, peace, and abundance. Join me, your host, Joshua Johnson, as we uncover the secrets to living an integrated and happy life, the life of your dreams. From self-discovery to holistic well-being, we dive into it all. Tune in and embark on a journey of transformation with us. While the first episode of a podcast is typically a cause for celebration, the content to this particular episode is actually quite heavy. As we discuss the topic of grief and the various ways it manifests when losing someone dear to us, I thought it to be a timely subject as it's something I'm experiencing in real time, as I talk about in the episode with two of my good friends who also share their stories. We hope this episode is helpful and encouraging to any of you who have experienced grief or are currently in the grieving process. Please know that you are not alone. Thank you for tuning in, and let's jump right into the episode. uh, I am very excited to uh, have with me two very good friends of mine joining me for this discussion. Um, This discussion is an important discussion. We're talking about grief and the grief process. And um, the reason I felt this was like very apropos at this time is because um, I'm experiencing some grief, having experienced the loss of my brother recently. I know the two of you have had some experiences with grief that uh, you know have affected your lives in you know the very near uh, past, um, mm-hmm. very recent. I would mm-hmm. I would say recent, because um, I, I feel like you'd never get over something like this. Yeah. Um, but I felt it was a good idea to bring you know just some people together who knew about this subject and could talk about it. And uh, I don't know how it's going to go for me. I don't know. I Listen, I, I'm straight vulnerable. I may shed some tears. I don't know. Um, but uh, We got some Kleenex at the ready. I know, right? But uh, <laughs> that's that's just what it is. So uh, I am joined today by uh, my good buddies Tavares and David. Tavares I've known since, I don't know, is over 10 years? Yeah, it's been yeah. over 10 years because I joined Genesis in 2009. I think I met you around 20. 10, 2011, something around there. Okay, yeah, yeah that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Through church. Mm-hmm. And then David, I've known since high school. We don't have to say how far back that was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a minute. The day, re- the day we're recording this is actually uh, two days past my, my 40th birthday. So just to give you a little reference, time reference. Um, yeah, how, how far back high school yeah, was. We were but, uh, what, 16, yeah. 15, <laughs> 15, 16 years old? Yeah, I've been yeah. playing JV, yeah. JV wow. basketball. JV basketball. Before I went to the varsity, I don't know. I, and you, uh, no, I stopped I, playing basketball. Stop playing basketball. I was gonna clown you, bro. No, you, you could have played varsity too, but you actually went to soccer. Uh, yeah. I stayed, stayed in my game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so just um, really talking about this process. I know this the grief itself has affected us very deeply recently. So where I wanted to start off with was um, just sharing, you know, our individual stories about it. Maybe start there about just the the event that was the reason and the catalyst behind the grieving process. Um, maybe we, we each can, can, you know, can share and um, we'll start there and then I have some questions and follow up of obviously about, you know, how that's affected your lives after that. But um, Tavares, why don't we start with you? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, where and, do I and, start? And you know, you can you start anyway, you can, you can just share whatever comes up in terms of, um, I mean, I've, already established for our audience, like who you are to me. But um, but yeah, just um, about what was that that thing, that event okay, for you? Okay, so August 11th, 2019, 5.05 um, a.m., my sister called. I already know, because she's not calling me in the morning like that. Prior to that, my mother has always had health issues. Um, But I think at some point we started to just take advantage that she would recover because she's always recovered. Um, She's had health issues for, at that point, 30 some odd years. And we just assumed that, you know, everything's gonna be fine. She would always say, I'm gonna live to be 100. So that was the running joke. Uh, So anyway, she called, my sister called, I said, what happened? Uh, she said, mom's gone. Heart dropped. My sister's crying. My, my family's all in Seattle, so I'm here in LA. My sister's in Seattle, my mom's in Seattle. 
Um, so I'm trying to compose for myself for her because she's all over the place, erratic. She doesn't know what to do. So I'm trying to um, control the situation from L.A. Um, while also simultaneously trying to get ready, packing whatever that I'm headed to the airport. Um, yeah, I just had to pull it together for the moment, actually for the whole time. Um, but the grieving process for me has been uh, a very challenging one because my mother was my closest. Uh, me and my mom were like the Actually, me and my mom, my sister are like this. And you can put my grandma in there too. So we're like really close. Super close, yeah. Um, so they're both a wreck. Actually, we're all a wreck, but I'm just, I'm the man. So I have to, yeah, I felt the need to, to stand up and then try to uh, be the, the one to take the brunt of everything mm -hmm. as far as the planning of the service and just uh, everything. Yeah. So I ended up doing that. Um, but it got really dark for me, uh, the pain. Um, okay. We'll I don't want to cut you off because I think I have some questions that's going to lead okay. us down that route. That route, sorry, but uh, and I, I hate to cut you off. No, 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 go ahead. Because um, um, we'll get there. Because I was going to keep going. So yeah, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> we we will definitely get there with um, like kind of the, the fallout from that. But, yeah. Uh, are you are you at liberty to say like what it was that caused your mom's passing? Uh, we suspect it was a ruptured uh, brain aneurysm. Um, there was no autopsy because she died at home and we had to pay some like 2500 or something for an autopsy. We didn't do that. We, we opted not to do that. And we also didn't want to do an autopsy because, you know, just cutting open bodies. Just, we, our families, we're, 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 we don't like We don't want that. Um, right. So, yeah, that's our suspicion. Our suspicion is uh, brain aneurysm. So that's your uh, your suspicion your I would say maybe your best guess yeah um, what you imagine yeah. has happened because what just the, the, the way she was found was is yeah. very sudden like it was like sudden she didn't really have any uh, time to respond so that's also yeah the condition of the body at the time that right. my sister found her so oh wow and then you saying because um, a lot of what you're saying is similar to my story mm -hmm. um, and I didn't want to jump in with that yet but uh, I, I mean I think we could just intertwine it really but I know you had said there was, um, first of all, it was unexpected, right? Mm. But there was, so same with my brother, mm -hmm. unexpected. And um, but you said she had some health issues mm -hmm. leading into it, yeah. but nothing that would indicate like this would happen right then and there. No, um, just a little background. My mother, she was a type one diabetic. Okay. Uh, her blood sugar would spike. It would, um, it would drop significantly. Uh, she's been as high as in the 900s. And she's been as low as single digits blood sugar, which is like both spectrums are very uh, extraordinary. Like people shouldn't live uh, both, you know, she's been hospitalized on both sides of that, but she's always recovered. Yeah. Um, so that was the initial suspicion, but we knew it wasn't that because we've been dealing with her diabetes and in episodes my sister's whole life. So um, my sister is 33 at the, well, she was 28 at the time, but um, yeah, so we didn't, we don't, we knew it wasn't that. And we also knew her doctor had told us that she um, had a brain aneurysm, but it was in a location where they couldn't do anything about it. So we- um, anyway, So there was nothing, so they just was like, we can't do anything. So yeah, yeah, just so just leave it, body. yeah. Leave and it. I think a lot of people uh, walk around with brain aneurysm that, you know, it's just in a place where um, you can't really do anything about it or just kind of just hope for the best. <laughs> That's a scary thought to me. Yeah. Who's dealing with yeah. health anxiety right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then I, another thing you mentioned was the fact that you had to, because you were the man in the family, you had to kind of take the, the load, take the lead in getting the logistics together, mm -hmm. planning, yeah. taking care of the business side yeah. of it, uh, which I relate to as well. And I would imagine I know it was my experience, maybe it was yours too. Did you have, like, because of that, there was some stunted grieving. Like, you weren't able to, like, grieve. Absolutely. In the yeah, yeah. Your business mode now. Yes, yeah. Right. Because of her history of health, I always had in the back of my mind a plan. I was like, okay, so if this happens, X, Y, you know, A, B, and C is going to happen. This is first call, second call, third call. This is what I'm going to do. So that's basically uh, executed the plan uh, 
flawlessly. It, it, it went off like she passed on the 11th, on the 22nd was her service. So there was no time for her to like, um, you know, a lot of times I think people are, funerals, weeks go by, you know, people are still trying to figure out stuff. It, I didn't want that. So I didn't want her to just be just in the fridge, just chilling, uh, you know, while we figure stuff out. So I already had the plan and I executed the plan flawlessly. Yeah. Um, but my grieving did, uh, was um, delayed. Um, yeah. Due to having to, yeah, take care of business, basically. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, and then and a little bit of family drama, too. Okay. And we'll get back to that. Yeah. Um, at some point, but I wanted to switch over to now to David and your experience with the event that mm -hmm. that caused the grief itself. Yeah, well, first and foremost, Doris, thank you for sharing your story. You Absolutely. Know, it's, it's never easy no. to share, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. It's been a month, a year, two years, mm -hmm. three years. Uh, when you kind of reopen those wounds, it becomes real and raw. Mm -hmm. um, but for, for my, uh, my experience, I, I lost my father. Um, somebody who is very close to me, just like your your mother was and still is. Mm -hmm. um, so I grew up in an Hispanic home, and we did everything together as a family. You know, you can imagine that Hispanic family where uh, the dad goes to the barber to get a haircut, goes to the grocery store. The mom and all the kids follow suit. doesn't matter if you're going to do a quick errand. That was a family that we were. We did everything together. So... Uh, to give you a little backstory about my dad, uh, he was a school teacher, um, and I had the pleasure of having him as one of my teachers um, in in high school. So, to say the importance that he had as far as a father figure in my life was probably ten out of ten. Hmm. Um, I know as I have grown older that not everybody has that same experience, and the reason I say that is because. He was as present as any father could be. And sometimes it wasn't even because he chose to be. It was because it was also part of his prof profession where I literally had to go to, to school and from school with my dad every day. He was also my, my coach for soccer. So you can mm -hmm. imagine the amount of uh, time that I had with my father discussing life, discussing sports, discussing relationships, discussing education. Um, so just that's kind of like the, the foundation to set of the importance of the role that he plays and played in my life. Um, and as Josh knows, Josh, uh, he was your Spanish teacher that's right. as yeah. well. He so um, he saw you as a second son. He, he truly did. Um, but so my father uh, was about to retire from the school district and he, he kind of knew it was time. Things were changing. Um, unfortunately, uh, children were changing too in the school district as far as a lack of respect and um, he's just like, hey, you know, it's time. I did, I did my time. I paid my dues, and I really enjoyed making a difference in the lives of those around uh, him. And I remember he said, hey, you know what, son, I think I'm going to retire. I want to spend some more time with my, my children, which is my brother and myself and my mom. And uh, at that time, we um, were pregnant um, with our third, and we just had twins. So the twins were, were no more than six months old. Um, and my dad put his two-week notice in saying that he was going to retire, all his paperwork in, super excited. Uh, we were already planning a trip uh, to go to Europe uh, to celebrate him. And it was my birthday about a, a week later after his decision to retire from the school district. And he sent me a text message uh, first thing in the morning and said, hey, Mijo, which is son in Spanish, and said, hey, you know, I'm not feeling too well. Uh, I'm not going to be able to make it. So, you know, not thinking anything of it, I just thought, okay, you know, he's probably not feeling too well, Dad. Um, not a problem. We'll get together soon. The day goes by. I didn't hear anything from my dad or mom. No call, no phone call, no text message. I'm like, hey, it's my birthday. You know, that's not something that's usual, right? So the next day, the next morning, something inside of me, I had a gut feeling that told me, hey, you know what, um, just go and surprise your dad and your mom and just see how they're doing. So I called my mom early in the morning, and she said, hey, you know what, uh, your dad's still not feeling well. He's in bed all day, been breathing pretty heavy. Um, and during this time, this was in 2020, so this was the beginning stages of COVID. So right off the bat, my 
my uh, red flags kind of went up and then my biggest fears started coming up and um and it became a reality it really did and it hit me pretty fast pretty hard um that morning i took my family uh we went to a local uh, mexican restaurant picked up my my father's favorite soup which is caldo de res which is kind of like a beef vegetable soup um and i dropped it off and um, i'll never forget you know my mom you know was was I think she kind of knew, but she didn't want to um, express that energy to me. And they wouldn't, they opened the door for me to give them the food. And I just remember seeing my father through the window. And that was the last time that I saw him living and breathing. And I just remember seeing his silhouette sh- of him sitting at his favorite spot on the couch and looking out and just kind of waving at me and me blowing kisses to him. And, you know, it's, um, I, I get emotional thinking about it because it just brings back so many raw emotions. But I'm so glad that I did because um, the next night uh, my mother called me, and I, I won't forget, I was watching a movie with my wife, um, something on Netflix, I don't know what it was, and uh, I love eating popcorn. That's a trait that my dad gave me. It doesn't matter if we're at the movie theater or watching a movie, my dad had to have a bucket of popcorn. So, you know, thanks, Dad, for for having that addiction to popcorn. But uh, so I was eating the popcorn. I got a FaceTime call from my mom. Again, something that is not regular. And I hear her screaming um, frantically, FaceTiming and showing me my dad laying in bed. And, you know, his eyes are closed. He just looks super pale. And his breathing is, is you know, it's very tough. It's it's um, So at that point, he's, I was telling her, like, hey, you know, try to open his mouth or try to open his eyes, talk to him. And at that point, I told her to call um 911, the ambulance showed up, they took him, and um, again, they diagnosed him with, he was positive COVID, and it looks like, um, you know, they were going to have to insert into, I think it's induced coma mm. um, at that point, and kind of running tests on him, and um, put him on a ventilator, and at that point, I honestly didn't know right from left, I didn't know up from down, as a, as a child, you, you think your, your parents are invincible, mm. You never yeah. prepare for this day. Mm-hmm. Um, you may plan things out, mm-hmm. but your plans go out the window because mm-hmm. now it's not about what's on paper. It's about true raw emotions of possibly your parent not being here anymore. Mm-hmm. And no one could prepare you for that moment. Um, you know, people may give you words or experiences, but until it happens to you, you don't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was an emotional wreck, very much like you, um, and or the both of you. And um, a big part of that was kind of being in denial, not accepting this was happening, and again hoping for the best, but just kind of listening to all the cases on the news. It wasn't very promising, uh, and I had no idea. But my dad kind of kept it from us. I didn't even know he had COPD, uh, which is you know it's a it's a respiratory disease. You know when you have to use an inhaler, so. Um, given his age and having COPD and then getting COVID, it's not really a good equation. Mm -hmm. Um, My brother flew down from Germany. We were going to celebrate his 40th birthday um, at that time, back in 2020, and my brother arrived uh, two days too late. Um, So my my father was still living, but uh, he was now under a ventilator. So you can imagine the trauma, the stress, going to retire, spend time with his grandkids, with my mom, and all that kind of being taken away right away. Um, and I'll never forget the phone call. Uh, July 24th at 2.55 p.m. was the time that he went to be with the Lord. And, um, yeah, so since then, uh, it's been a journey. It's been a big, it's been a long journey that I'm navigating through in different stages of grief. Uh, but very much like yourself, there were some very dark moments. And then there's some moments where it's like, um, it made me realize and appreciate the life that I have. And now to begin to appreciate the memories that my father created for our family and for myself and now be able to share about it on this podcast mm. um, and not cry about it. And again, it's not bad to cry. It's mm-hmm. it's okay to cry. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like I'm at a place where uh, a healing process has occurred where I can now talk about this. Mm, but. Right. Um, yeah, it, it's um, it's very difficult, very painful, and it continues to be a lifelong lifelong process that you learn how to live with. Right. Um, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And thank you, David and, and Tavares, for for sharing. Um, 
Yeah, because that's it's something that has definitely affected each of you so deeply. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, a couple of things I just want to draw comparisons to, actually. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll just go ahead and, and tell um, my, I call it the event, uh, my story of what happened. And then I just wanted to also follow up with some questions on, you know, life since. But um, so for me, uh, unexpected, like oh, like both of you, both of it was mm -hmm. unexpected, right? Just these, these events happened out of the blue. Um, and especially with your dad about, you know, about to retire um, and your mom, you know, you just got a call out of the blue um, with me. It was very something similar. So I was just coming back from a funeral um, of a family member. This was um, my father's cousin. So someone, I, I guess to, to me that I, I'm maybe a cousin once removed, I guess, or something, if it's your father's mm -hmm. cousin or something like that. But um, so this was someone I knew, you know, growing up, but wasn't super close with, but a family member who, you know, who I was attending the funeral of and, and also being there for my dad who was experiencing that because they grew up together. Mm -hmm. I was coming back from that funeral uh, with my dad in the car. My sister calls and asked me if I heard from my brother, my brother Donnie. We called him Donnie. Um, his name is Donald, Dante Brown. Um, we call him Donnie. And so she's like, have you heard from Donnie? I said, no, um, hadn't heard from him. And yeah, I, I look back in the, we have like a family chat with the siblings and was like, yeah, I didn't, I haven't heard from him in like a couple of days. I haven't seen him in the chat. And she's like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen him in the chat either. And I, I called his number and it goes to like a message, not his voicemail, but a, like the network, whatever his network mm. was, like the network message saying this subscriber, I think, is not in service. Mm. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, that's weird. But, you know, my logical brain, I'm just thinking like, okay, it's probably something where, um, I think it was like, it was the beginning of the month when I got this call. So I was like, you know what, maybe it was like he just didn't pay the bill from the last month yet. Um, just for some context, my brother um, suffered from epilepsy, so he was unable to really hold down a any stable work due to his condition. And so mm -hmm. he was receiving like disability from the state. Um, that was his income. So it came, you know, on the regular at the, I think at the end of every month or something. And there had been times past, you know, very rarely, but where it just, you know, some, you know, how money can run out, right? Mm -hmm. Especially with the limited income. Um, he just had to wait a couple of days to get his check and then pay the bill. So I'm thinking like, maybe it was something like that, right? He just, you know, give it a few days. You know, he probably just got his check. He'll pay it and it'll be back on. Um, so, Two days, you know, two days had gone by, and um, I, th I thought about it, it entered my mind again, and I, I, did, well, I, I gave him a call that day, actually, and tried him the day my sister suggested, and I got the same message. So two days went by, and uh, um, still hadn't seen him in the chat, the family chat, and, um, and also there were times when either one of us at times were just kind of, if we were going through something, we might be silent in the chat. So alarm bells weren't going off mm -hmm. just yet. But so two days later, again, uh, I try him, same message the subscribers out of service. So, okay, now this is, this is kind of weird. Now we're like six days into the new month, uh, roughly. So this is, this is strange. Uh, called my sisters and was like, yeah, I, I hadn't heard from him still. Have you heard from him? No, I haven't heard from him. So I was like, you know what? Maybe we should just do like a, maybe a welfare check, have somebody check on him. He lived in an apartment building in, uh, in Tucson, um, had his own place. And so um, I called the, the building manager, looked up the number online and uh, just, kind of briefly told her the situation, like, hey, you hadn't heard from my brother, is there someone that can go and check on, maybe they knock on the door or something. So she's like, yeah, we could do something like that. So she goes and, and checks on him, or you know, I think she got, gets in contact with the maintenance man. The maintenance man goes and push come to shove, the maintenance man has a key to every unit in this, mm -hmm. this building. So um, he went to check and she's like, we'll call you back, you know, when we hear what we hear or when we find out what's going on. So when I got the, um, the call back well, while, while they were checking, I was just doing some research online of the building that he lived in and um, had seen a couple of names of people who were kind of like managers of that building mm. and, and, and all that. And so um, when I got a call back, I, um, I, the lady who, it was a different lady than I talked to before. And the lady who called me back was like the head, head lady. The mm -hmm. one I spoke to before was just like, you know, someone who worked in the office. Mm -hmm. This is the head lady. So then I was like, okay, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. The head lady's calling me and she was like, yeah, um, Mr. Johnson, I regret to inform you that the, the maintenance guy did go into your brother's building after he didn't answer and um, looked around and discovered your brother in the bed, passed away, deceased. And um, I'll never forget that because at, at the time when I was on the, uh, when, she, when I picked up the phone, I had another phone that I, that I used. I have like a work phone and a personal phone. 
So I just record the conversation just so I can have that. I don't mm -hmm. know why, I just like, let me record mm -hmm. this just so, you know, if I need to recall any, any information for my siblings, I can refer to it and, and not like lose anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, so I still have that, that call recorded. I haven't listened to it, but I, I won't forget it because the feeling that I got, like her saying that, that my brother was found, he was, he was deceased, was something that, you know, I can't forget. And so, you know, my mind is just going to what that looks like and, and wondering why and, and what happened. And um, so similar to you, Tavares, um, very similar. It was like a thing where we, we don't know exactly, like medically, what happened, but we imagine that he had a seizure in his sleep mm -hmm. because this was a condition that he had suffered from mm -hmm. for the majority of his life. He was taking medication for it. The medication was, you know, as he got older and went on, it was less and less effective. So the doctors were still trying to figure out like what was a proper dosage and which medication suited him best. Mm. But my brother had expressed himself like he was just really tired of taking the medication, mm. really tired of having to deal with it. And the fact that he would still suffer from seizures time to time, from time to time while taking the medication was just something that he was tired of dealing with. Mm. Um, so again, like you, Tavares, I had to go into business mode. Okay, the, you know, the coroner showing up, the police showing up. Um, and then how do we, like, where do we go from here? Like, what's the next step? So from the call, the, the lady informed you, you had to inform your family. I had to inform my family. Mm. Thanks for that point. I had to inform my family. So I had to, like, keep it together. Mm. I called my sisters, my older sisters, told them. And then we got on a call and told my brother, another brother. I'm the youngest of, total of eight of us, by the way. Um, so I, I called. So my sisters, I informed them and told them. And that was hard to do. Then we mm. called my brother, and then it was our idea to call our mom and let her know, which is even mm. more difficult. Mm. And so, um, you know, just letting people know. And then after that, I had to, I was the one that, like the point of contact for everything happening in Tucson, mm. which I live in LA, so, you know, I couldn't be there. I was mm. just, everything was by phone and email. And that relay information back to my siblings, my mom and everything. So my brother had a, you know, a plan to, he, he didn't have like a, a burial plan or anything like that, but he had set it up through some company where um, he wanted his body donated to science, mm -hmm. to a, maybe like a local university. Mm -hmm. He had gone to this program that does that, this company, and um, and that was his wishes. Um, however, um, when my mom was notified and stepped in, she didn't want that because um, she has beliefs around cremation. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you know, I don't that that those are her beliefs because this program that my brother was signed up for. Once they were done with the body, they would cremate it and mm. they give you the ashes. Mm -hmm. So my mom wasn't on board with that. And so she had preferred and, and indicated that she preferred that, you know, we keep his body intact. Mm. And um, she had secured a burial plot where she lives in the state of Missouri. Mm. Um, so I had to handle like all that between the funeral homes in two states, mm. coordinating, you know, the body transfer and, and all that and the cost from it. Like you, Tavares, we didn't have the, uh, we didn't get an autopsy. Mm. He died at home. And, um, and it, it, that extra cost, that added cost is that, you know, that mm. adds up when, you know, you're dealing with someone who didn't expressly have a plan mm. in place um, yeah. for their demise. But, yeah, there's a cost involved. And, you know, a lot of that, it, it's weird because this is someone you love. But at the same time, it's like, okay, there's this and do we need to do this? And then you see the cost involved. And it's like a weird kind of feeling because mm. you know, like, we, we didn't know, we wanted to know, but we just kind of like, okay, it's probably this, which we thought he probably had a seizure in his sleep. And you know, lack of oxygen to their brain and whatnot. Mm. So, so that was the case um, from that. But what I wanted to get into with um, with each of us is just, I mean, how that's affected our lives since. Because I mean, there was the event, right, that happened, the loss of our loved one. But that's just the the start of it. The rest is the, the fallout that we have to deal mm. with, which is the grief process, mm -hmm. and how that looked like immediately, like how that affected your life, your work. Um, your relationships, like, did you have support? How, you know, who, who, who did you lean on? How was your mental space, emotional space? Um, all of that. So, like, any one of you, either of you can go with, with that, but, like, what, what was the immediate, like, fallout from um, that? After, I guess, maybe the, the let's, just, let's just start with after you had any kind of, like, ceremony, like a burial and, mm -hmm. and funeral services or something like that, right? Let's... Um, well, my sister and mother were living together. Um, I had flown up to Seattle uh, that morning. Um, the apartment complex informed us that we had to be out by the end of the month mm. on top of everything else that's going on. Yeah. Did that hit you any kind of way? 
Um, it was expected, but it, I just didn't like the delivery. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, so I stayed in Seattle for a total of a month. Um, um, I, I flew out August 11th. I returned September 11th, 2019. Um, I got my sister co-signed for her an apartment um, right down the street from my grandmother, so she was close. Um, grieving. Uh, so after the service, I was able to kind of grieve. Uh, still not eating. Uh, like, you know, they say it's with a heavy heart. Like, my heart was really heavy. Like, my heart, like, sank to my feet like it was crazy um I had really dark thoughts because um, it was just so painful um really dark thoughts nothing that I probably would have acted on but I did have thoughts of suicide um just because I didn't want to deal with the pain and just mm. living this life without my mom yeah. but um and my sister, I knew if I was feeling it, she was feeling it too because she's the one who found her. So she has to live with that. Right. Um, so, but then I had a dream. And my, uh, so I, me and my sister both had dreams that I had mine, let's say, on Monday. My sister had hers on Wednesday. Uh, my dream, my sister, my mom had came to my sister's new apartment. She was sitting on the couch. She was with my uncle who had also passed, her brother. Um, they were together and they came and she was like, I like the new apartment. She was just, she was really f refreshed, young. It's like she went back in time, like, you know, to her 20s. And she was dressed in like beach attire. Uh, really beautiful, radiant. She was just, and she was like, I, you know, I'm happy that you guys have each other. Um, you're taking care of each other. Um, then she started to talk about where she lives now. She's like, I love my new life. I love where I live now. It's, it's paradise is what she called it. That's awesome. She said, and honestly, I would not come back if I could because that's how great it is here. Mm. She said, do not worry about mm. me. I'm fine. I got to go now. And that's the last time she came to me. And she gave my sister a very similar dream. Wow. So it gave us both a lot of peace. It was much needed peace. Like yeah. we needed that because, like I said, I was dark. I was having thoughts. Yeah. Um, so from that point, I she hasn't come to me. She's she says she's not going to come back, and I haven't seen yeah. her since. And that's fine because I get it. I understand yeah. it. Yeah. She, she told me what it is, and she let you know she was yeah. in a better place than, mm -hmm. than here. Yeah. Wow, David, did you have something similar to that experience? Any any dreams or? Um... Uh, I had I've I've had a lot of uh, vivid dreams since uh, my father's passing. Uh, but as far as like starting the grief part, um, my mind started with guilt, um, not the sense that my guilt created um, the situation or the experience, the guilt that during COVID. There are so many restrictions mm -hmm. going on, limitations, um, that I had guilt that I, like my father was in the hospital room and he, he died alone, right? Because they wouldn't allow family. Mm -hmm. I had to see my father through an iPad, mm -hmm. right? Um, I, would, I remember I'd be playing Christian songs and I would see his heart monitor kind of go up and down. So that was kind of gave me a sense of, of peace and hope that he can hear me and hear me talking to him. So the sense of guilt started with, that was my first grieving process. Uh, we could not have a ceremony for him during the COVID time. This is gonna, again, this was the uh, mm. the beginning process of COVID, mm. where you could not have gatherings of more than X Y Z amount of people. Um, we could not plan a funeral. So to this day, we have not had one for my father. Mm. So I still carry that guilt because my dad touched so many lives mm -hmm. at church within the city, within all the teams that he coached and all the students he. He, uh, he taught, so um, I know that um, it would have been an amazing um, ceremony for him that we could not have. Um, so again, that was a lot of weight that I carried and I still carry to this day um, just because he, he deserved more. So we decided to get him cremated, which was the option that we had. Um, so you can imagine the weight that that was on our, our family and my mom um, and kind of going back to what you guys were talking about. Uh, my brother lives in Europe, serves our country, so I'm the closest one here. I'm all mm -hmm. my mom has, which mm -hmm. means 
my grief gets suppressed because I have to make sure my mom is okay. Mm -hmm. And you put yourself on the back burner and that Mm -hmm. actually creates even more Mm -hmm. on top of the grief. It creates the anxiety Mm -hmm. goes out the roof. Mm -hmm. Your chest feels so heavy to the Mm -hmm. point where I was having panic attacks Mm -hmm. and I would be laying on the, on the uh, on the ground next to the toilet, crying hysterically, mm-hmm. because I I feel like it's an out of body experience, mm-hmm. and I too had some dark moments and dark thoughts where it's like I know that I have six month twins that I that the Lord blessed me with my beautiful wife and my wife's pregnant with a third, but because the pain was so deep, I had thoughts like I don't even want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. I I want to go with my dad, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's just a natural thought to have. Yeah. Does it make it right or mm-hmm. wrong, mm-hmm. right? You just miss him or her. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not fair to me to leave and leave my family behind. Right, right. So all these things of grief just kind of compound on top of, yeah. you know, dealing with with three uh, six-month uh, twins, uh, uh, my pregnant wife, dealing with work, taking care of my mom, taking care of my health. Like, it was like the perfect storm. And it really took me a good two years just to even get my bearings straight, to be honest. Work was very tough. I I had to take a few months off of Mm -hmm. leave Mm -hmm. just to be able to think right. Um, And with my support system, you were kind of talking about that. Josh was at home. Unfortunately, it wasn't the best. Mm -hmm. And I know Josh was kind of my go-to that I would call and I thank you for that because you were always there to pick up the phone, respond to my text messages, um, and just just to be an ear to listen to, not to give me advice, mm. not to tell me how to fix the problem, but really a true friend is someone just to listen mm. and to allow you to decompress and to channel your emotions and feelings. And I, I thank you for that because uh, that got me through um, – the most difficult time in my life yeah. and I'm still dealing with it. But now I'm at a point like I can smile about it yeah. and think of my father. But, um, yeah, at home, um, it was very tense. Uh, I had to juggle my mom who's only known my dad her entire life mm. and my dad filling up her car with gas, mm. her not knowing how to do all these small things that we take mm. for granted. Yeah. So now that that weighs on me yeah. and, my mom lives about an hour and a half away from me. So very much like you guys where you have to like communicate, talk and juggle and handle travel everything. and handle everything. It, it, it really um, puts a halt to your grieving stages because there's mm-hmm. multiple. Um, and then you get a lot of um, voices from outside um, telling you how you should grieve mm. and what your mm. time limit should be. And, and you, and what you think that they're using as positive reinforcement to help you, it actually does more damage than anything because Ooh. it's your process, not theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't really put a timetable on grief. But throughout that whole time, it really challenged my marriage. Uh, it challenged myself to see life in a different light. Um, it really was a pivotal point in how I viewed my life moving forward. Um, growing up in a Christian home, um, I kind of would ride the, um, coattails of my parents, uh, faith. And when my father passed, I felt like my ticket to heaven was gone. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my eye opening to rededicate my life to Christ and be the man who he made me to be. And I know ultimately my father, if he knew his death would be the fork in the road to change my life and how I chose to live my life and acted to live my life, he would choose it a hundred out of a hundred times over mm, and over wow. again. So in that aspect, um, I miss my dad so much, but I'm also grateful of the opportunity that happened out of it because I know he's looking down and so grateful for the life that I'm living now, mm-hmm. leading my three kids now and my wife mm-hmm. uh, because Josh can attest to this. He was with me in the very, very, very lows, and now he can see the fruits that have bared from the last uh, yeah. three years um, blossoming. Mm. So it is a process. It's a difficult one. But for those of you that are listening, know that there's always light 
um, at the end of the tunnel, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, the, it's interesting. Both of you had your your dark moments where and obviously this is something very painful um, that has happened. And, and I, I would venture to say no one really understands death. I mean, we all have our you know beliefs. ideas and beliefs mm -hmm. about it, mm -hmm. but we don't 100 percent know mm. like cause we haven't been there and experienced mm -hmm. it. Right. So um, but just the fact that you had been to such lows, both of you having thoughts of not wanting to be here anymore, the pain was mm -hmm. so great. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you shared that because there might be someone listening out there who is either at that point, who has been at that point, who needs to hear that, that mm -hmm. that is a natural part of the process, mm -hmm. right? The low moments can get yeah. very low. Mm -hmm. And I, I heard it put some, someone had told me, I think grief is like the price you pay for loving someone so much. Mm -hmm. Like to the extent that you love these people, your mom, your dad, my brother, is likely the extent that you're gonna grieve. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be you know the other side of the mm -hmm. spectrum because the love is there so much for this person, yeah. right? So naturally you're gonna go through these moments. Um, but uh, yeah, and I, and the fact that I, you mentioned something about the support, the support at home wasn't wasn't the best. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to touch base with you also, Tavares, about support. Where did you lean in support? Did you have a support group? Did you have anyone you could go to? How did you offload some of that mental and emotional burden? Did you have support? Um, I mean, I had support if I wanted it, but I chose to do all my soul searching and all my feelings i kept it all in privately kept it in. yeah i uh, everybody offered you know everybody call me if you need you know all those um but i i didn't um and that's just my that's just me like even if i'm going through something personally uh just uh professionally or whatever whatever i'm going through i don't feel the need to talk to anyone about it because mm -hmm. like for what um because we're all, you know, we all have our issues. Everybody's going through something. I mean, it might be good to talk, but I don't really feel like, just me personally, yeah. I don't really feel like that's going to um, help me in any way. I mean, I may feel differently uh, in time, but as of right now, I, I deal internally with my issues. I hear that. Um, I do talk to my grandmother this about a lot of stuff. She's probably my biggest overall help, uh, uh, advice, um, just who I, whoever I go to, if I just need a quick word, a counsel or whatever, um, I'll talk to her. She's the wisest person I know. Mm -hmm. um, um, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm similar to you, Tavares. I kind of hate to say it, but I, I do say it because it's 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 not it's not something to be proud of. But I I feel like I'm a lone wolf at times. Mm. You know, I, similar to you, I I tend to keep things internalized, deal with things. I have to like withdraw from a situation to really process how I feel about it. Mm. Um, and that's whether it's the grief process or you know, dealing with emotions mm -hmm. or a relationship. You know, mm. so there are times when I have to like kind of go in my shell mm. and and really be alone. Yeah. And um, so I I. I um, can understand mm -hmm. where you're at with that and, I, and I've shared I've, I've had phone calls with David and, mm -hmm. and share with with you David about you know what I'm going through but I, there are still times too where it's just like I want I keep it to myself and also it, there's a weird way and I feel like I'm am I burdening someone with this you know if if you know because everyone has their stuff they're Everybody dealing with it's like stuff. oh man I don't want to be a burden yeah. especially know? if I know that they have stuff I'm not going to add on my stuff to what I already know you're going through right. something so I'm just going right. to just Keep it light. Yeah. It's, How are you, know, you doing tomorrow? I'm fine. I'm you just, you just, yeah, you just say I'm fine and, and wave it off, you know? But it's like inside, you're like, no, I'm not yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm not fine. And, <laughs> and to give you a clue, it, with, with where I'm at, and much like where you had your experience, David, is um, with, with the panic and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's, now there's a place where I've definitely relied on you and, and asked you about your experience because currently I'm experiencing that same thing, the anxiety, yeah. which I didn't know. It wasn't something I, I had ever dealt with in my life. But because my brother's passing was so unexpected and he was he was still young, 47 years old, um, it just kind of out of the blue, it sent my mind reeling to think like, okay, here's someone who had an unexpected death and now my mind internalized that as, uh-oh, you're in trouble because you could go at any point. Hmm. And so now in the wake of his passing, my I've, I've gotten anxiety and it's like through the roof hmm. where it's, 
gotten to a point specifically like health anxiety. Mm. So now I'm so conscious and aware of every little feeling and sensation in my body. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking it's like a catastrophic indicator of like death. Mm-hmm. So David, I think you had the same experience. It started off with the chest, right? Mm-hmm. I'm feeling like chest pressure, mm-hmm. chest sensations, heart palpitations, mm-hmm. pain even. Um, and, and I read that emotionally, uh, pain of grief is stored emotionally in the chest. Yeah. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys have heard that. I've heard that. No, I, I remember Between getting chest like, like chest pain to the point where I felt like it felt like a like a heart, heart attack. attack. A heart attack, yeah. and that's mm-hmm. been my experience. And I can tell you, I since since May when we had his services, I have probably been to the ER probably six times, mm. six separate times going to the oh. ER, thinking that for one, the the first indicator was I got this lump in my throat, which is actually something that happens. You get a lump. People from grief get a lump in their mm. throat. I thought I had swallowed something that wasn't going mm. down. I went to the ER. They're like, nothing's there. Mm. They gave me some medicine that relaxed the you know, esophagus and everything mm. was fine. The next thing was like, oh, chest pressure, chest pain. I'm having a heart attack. I got to go to the <laughs> ER right away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that. The next thing I think it was I, the numbing and ting- tingling happening. Fingers, yeah. I thought I was having a stroke. So I'm back <laughs> in the ER, you know. And yeah. multiple times now yeah. for these various things, mm-hmm. you had that same experience. Yeah. So I've relied on you for that. Um, and also I'm trying to kind of attack this issue, this grief issue from various angles. So attack it through like I've, I've been going to get acupuncture, dealing with the anxiety. I know mm-hmm. that this, you know, Eastern medicine offers yeah. offers a, a kind of a route to help with that um, chiropractic work I've been mm-hmm. I've been doing. I've been speaking to a therapist. Um, and also when I do have these sensations and feelings in my body, you know, I've been making doctors appointments and visits just to rule out anything and make sure nothing is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, have, it, have either of you had any experience with like therapy? Have you sought out therapy for yourself to help deal with it? Or is it all something that you, you know, just dealt with through either on your own, like you said, Tavares or through, you know, family and friends? Uh, I told my sister that at some point we're both probably going to have to sit with a therapist. Mm-hmm. But um, I haven't had any like um, I don't know. I feel like I'm uh, you know after she gave us that dream where she's told us she's good. I'm like, well then what are we what are we really worried about? She yeah. says she's fine. Yeah. Like we're gonna miss her obviously, um, but she's good. I feel like. Um, the morning, and I think we, we spoke about this yesterday at your uh, birthday, like morning is really for us, the living, because we still have to live in this shithole. <laughs> you know, we still have to go on with, with yeah. life here. Yeah. They're chilling. They're, they're at peace. They're yeah. in paradise, just relaxing. Like, we're the ones who still have to deal with this bullshit. Right. Yeah. Um, so in that aspect, yeah, I feel like. I'm, I'm good with that. Therapy may be for something for else, some people, but yeah. not for this. Well, you sound like you're in a good place, and, and having <coughs> that dream and that like confirmation, and that visitation from your mm-hmm. mom, I haven't yet experienced something like that with my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, David, um, you had experiences where you have felt like either your dad's presence or a message in that way, right? Oh, 100%. Um, again, you know, very much like yourself, I've, I've, I've had the pleasure of having multiple lucid um, dreams of my father, um, and I'll never forget the first one was him in the lobby of where I worked at, um, and he was wearing jeans and a red polo shirt, um, probably because the high school he he, uh, he taught at and coached at, uh, they wore red, silver, and white, and he always wore red to match his school colors. That's just who my dad was, and he was wearing one, and very much like your mom, he looked young, youthful, glowing, mm-hmm. happy, mm-hmm. Um, and he gave me a hug, and... I remember feeling the hug. I remember feeling mm-hmm. his hand on my back, and he always give me a kiss on the cheek and say, "Hey, I love you, Miko." And I remember smelling him, and it's like, wow, you know. And I've had many dreams, and of course, they've gotten <coughs> a little bit more or less as time has passed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see my dad now in the form of a yellow butterfly. Mm-hmm. And whereas before, I never even took notice of butterflies. Mm -hmm. I never took notice of ever seeing them. And magically, after my dad passed, they would visit me at work. They would visit me at home in my backyard. If my wife and I with our kids would go to SeaWorld, to the zoo, to the grocery store, there's always a yellow butterfly following us around. Mm -hmm. And I know that's my father. And when I Googled it up, um, yellow butterflies also represent past loved ones coming 
to visit uh -huh. you. Uh -huh. And my wow. mom has also shared very similar stories of yellow butterflies visiting her daily mm. and my brother who's in germany after my father passed a yellow butterfly visited him daily mm. so for me that very much like yourself is that peace of mind knowing like wow my dad is watching over me mm. and i'll never forget actually it was my birthday on july 11th um not too long ago josh sitting here to my left <laughs> for my birthday present got me a a cameo a video a birthday message from the one and only uh, James Worthy of the Los big Angeles James. Lakers, yeah. Big James game or Big Big, big game, game James, James. Yeah. yeah, and um, he was wishing me a happy birthday on the video, personalized. And I thank you, Josh, for sharing that information with him. And he's he pretty much said, "I know if your dad was here, um, he'd be wishing you a happy birthday, and I know he's looking down on you right now." And wishing you a happy birthday in a mm. great day. Yeah. And as soon as he said that, literally, on the video footage, he had a light behind him. It flickered for about two seconds. As soon as he mentioned my dad was wishing yeah. me a happy birthday, I have the video proof. Josh watched it, watched it. I rewinded it like five times. As soon as he mentioned my dad's voice, the light flickered, and it turned back on. Like the whole room kind of went dark and flickered for two seconds and it turned back on. And so to me, that's just, again, a message from up above mm -hmm. that I think in the afterlife, they are living for eternity in mm -hmm. paradise mm -hmm. and they are looking down upon us. And that's mm -hmm. very comforting being yeah. a man of faith, yes. um, knowing that, you know, there's so much more to live. It's just us that are here. We have to continue living mm -hmm. in, in this um, tough, difficult um, <laughs> place, right? It's, it's them that are, are living the mm -hmm. life. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah. When it comes to that, um, I, I sought out therapy. I sought out marriage therapy because the stress was not only on myself. It was the stress overflowed into relationships. It overflowed into marriages, into my marriage. So I needed help with my marriage because in parts of my grief, I shut down. Mm. Um, and I would not allow myself available for my family, for my wife, mm. because I was grieving. So... Um, I am both external and internal processor. Uh, my internal part that I do to this day is I journal. So if there's big milestones such as holidays, birthdays, uh, anniversaries, or just something I want to share with my dad that he's not here to share with, I'll journal. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really helped me. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I remember <laughs> that, uh, that mm -hmm. cameo, man, that, that was crazy how that happened. Um, as soon as you start talking about your dad, what an amazing thing. I'm still waiting on my moment. I think I mentioned it last mm. night at the, the party, Tavares. It's like, mm. I haven't yet had that experience. I would tell you, I, in my, I had an experience, but in my mind, I related to my brother. But it's nothing like what you guys experienced. Mm. So the experience I had was I woke up out of sleep one, um, one night, very close, much closer to when he had passed, and I was grasping for air. Um, and, like, I couldn't breathe, and it was, like, very traumatic. Like, I was trying to, like, get my breath in, and I couldn't. So um, I related that somehow to thinking like, oh, man, did, did my brother go through this? Like, is, is this him no. telling me, like, this is how it was? Like, mm. I, I couldn't get air, mm. you know? Yeah, so that's, that's where tough. my mind went with that. Mm. Um, so I, I've yet to experience, like, that moment where it kind of gives, I don't want to use the word closure, but it gives you some, like, good feeling mm. that, hey, this person is in a better place and, mm. you know, they're giving me these messages. So I'm, I'm still waiting on that, and we'll see how that goes. Um, but in the meantime, like I'm, you know, taking care of myself with these different modalities of therapy and um, I'm doing like emotional breath work, which is great for trauma release because the, the event itself was very traumatic. And yeah. I think dealing with all that and having to have that business side of it and not getting a chance to like just be sad in the moment when it happened. Mm -hmm. um, so my, my grief process, I think, is a little bit delayed. Um, I think you mentioned that, David, but or maybe it was you, Tavares, but, um, but you said the, the, the delayedness of it because of um, having to be in business mode. But, how, are um, your, how are your parents dealing? So, um, you know, my mom is very internal. Mm. She doesn't really cry. She's a very strong woman. Mm. She does, did not, not really any tears for her. Mm -hmm. um, she seems to process it in her own way, which is not through tears or anything, but um, she'll talk about it. But when she talks about it, she doesn't really get emotional. Mm. But um, It could happen behind doors, too, that maybe she doesn't want to showcase, very right? True. But it could happen behind doors. Very true. Absolutely true. Um, that could be the case. Um, so my brother and I didn't share the same dad. Mm. His dad uh, had passed away some years ago, mm. and unfortunately he never knew his father. Mm. Um, 
but yeah, as far as my mom goes, that's that's been her experience. Mm-hmm. And, and my siblings and I are, are dealing with it in our, our separate, various ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still very much a big part of my life. And like I said, especially with this, this health anxiety thing, which mm-hmm. I'm still trying to get through and, and, and um, just, you know, feeling that everything just is like off and out of whack and thinking like, okay, is this something that's taking me out? You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. when I think about it, it's, it's the fact that I want to live as terrible as, you know, yeah. this, this world can be sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to live, though. Yeah. I want to live this experience to the fullest, mm-hmm. as long and as healthy as I possibly can. Absolutely. And that's like that. That's who I am as a person. Like, I want to experience life and live life. Go ahead. Tomorrow. I will say I, I echo that. I also do want to live the best life that I possibly can for as long as I can. Um, but I will say I now no longer fear death. Ah. So mm-hmm. when it does happen. I'm, I'm not. It is what it yet. is. Yeah, I'm, I, um, I do fear death. No, I, I don't because I, I just know that, you know, there's somebody over there that's probably, you know, going to office, absolutely embrace me yeah. that I've been missing. So yeah. before I was like, no, absolutely not. But now I'm like, mm, it is what it is. Yeah. We're all going to have to deal with it at some point. So I hope to be there at yeah. some point, but I'm not there yet. But I yeah, just... Yeah. Um, I need to, need to wrap, wrap this episode up, but I wanted to, like, one last little segment is if you had the chance um, right now, um, what would you say to your loved one, to your mom? Uh, I, you go first. Oh, okay. Maybe I don't have any thoughts. <laughs> you got us, you got us uh, there, oh. Josh. Oh, um, <laughs> man. I threw a curveball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. Or I'll, I'll start. I'll start. Oh, you start. I was just say ahead. thank you. Thank you for, you know, being the, the best possible mom. I, I don't think that I could have had a better mother. I look at other people's mothers, and I'm like, I'm so glad that that's not my mom. <laughs> 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 my mom was awesome. She was just, she was, man. Yeah. Yeah. Had her flaws, as everyone does, mm-hmm. but... Um, I don't think I have, me and my, and my sister said this too. We couldn't have had a better a better mother. Right. She was a mom. She was like a super mom. Awesome. Uh, so yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, I love you. Um, I'll see you again soon. All right. Uh, well, I'd be telling my dad. You know, I always call him pops. I love you. I miss you. I I wish. Um, I know you knew. Well, how much you meant to me, but I wish I would have told you um, how proud I am of you um, instead of waiting to tell you until uh, you're on your deathbed. Um, mm-hmm. Even though you felt it, saw it through my actions, I just wish my words would have went out so that way you would have understood the importance that you uh, had in my life, my brother's life, my mom's life, and your grandkids' lives. Um, I love you, I miss you, and I know you're up above, you're looking down, and you wouldn't change it for the world, um, and I know I will see you again, so that's where my, my hope and peace comes in, but uh, yeah, I love you, Pops. Yeah, amazing. I would tell my brother, hey man, I love you, and I miss you a lot, and um, it's hard, it's hard right now, not having you, not having you here, and seeing your funny memes and riddles <laughs> in the chat, and uh and the, the time that we spend together. So I hope you're having a good time. And uh, I just want you to know I love you and miss you a lot. Definitely, yeah. Um, and I want to tell you guys, I love you guys. I appreciate you guys being love here and sharing love your love story. You too. Love you too, love you too. And um, you know, I think we need more of this. Absolutely. Know, just sharing yeah. these real conversations. Yeah. Raw, yeah. raw feelings, raw emotions, yeah. raw talk, and to know that anything and everything what you feel is acceptable Mm. and my advice that i give to you guys and anybody else that's listening is it's your grieving process um don't let anybody put a timetable on your grieving process um that would probably be my one one words of advice Mm. thank you for that man and i i want to thank you the listener for uh listening with us on this journey of grief and, um, you know, if you're going through something like this, I hope this has been a, a, a help, a resource for you. Uh, we'll likely have more experiences and talks like this and um, episodes like this in the future. But uh, I'll leave you with this. Life is a journey. Enjoy the ride. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Joyful Journey podcast. To stay up to date on new episodes, follow or subscribe on whatever platform you are listening 
And if you feel someone might benefit from this episode, please share it. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram at I'm Joshua Johnson and the exclusive podcast page at Joy Journey Podcast. Until next time, take care.